Um, please turn to Mark chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. And when he returned to Capernaum after some days, it was reported that he was at home. And many were gathered together so that there was no more room, not even at the door. And he was preaching the word to them. And they came, bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men. And when they could not get near him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. And when they had made an opening, they let down the bed on which the paralytic lay. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now some of the scribes were sitting there questioning in their hearts, Why does this man speak like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And immediately Jesus, perceiving in his spirit that they thus questioned within themselves, said to them, Why do you question these things in your hearts? Which is easier, to say to the paralytic, Your sins are forgiven? Or to say, Rise, take up your bed and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I say to you, Rise, pick up your bed and go home. And he rose and immediately picked up his bed and went out before them all, so that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, We never saw anything like this. This is God's word. So we are back in Mark, back in the Gospel of Mark. Before we, uh, we start, let's, let's pray one more time. Father, as we're back in the Gospel of Mark, uh, once again this morning, uh, we pray that you'd help us to know and understand, believe, practice, and share what we hear today. And above all else, help us to personally trust, personally rest, personally believe in the Lord Jesus Christ today. And please don't stop there. Fill us up so you can send us back out again and again and again to share the good news with everyone around us in our lives, in our communities, and in our cities. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So according to Everyday Experts and Life Coaches, Siri, Google, and Alexa, come on, no laughs, paralysis is, and I quote, the loss of the ability to move and sometimes to feel anything, in part or most of the body, typically as a result of illness, poison, or injury. It's the, I quote again, Inability to act or function in a person, organization, or a place. And the stats say one out of 50 people in the U.S. experience a loss of muscle function. Which, as a non-medical professional, sounds like a pretty high number to me. Um, If I'm in a very large crowd of people, a big room, uh, that's a lot of people around me who live that every day. But as a professional in biblical studies, I can say that in the first century, at the time Jesus lived, right, in the town of Capernaum, that's where the setting is of of what we just heard, um, 
a house in that town probably fit about 50 people in a span of, of about 18 feet. And that's huddled really close together, right? Standing room only. All to come to Jesus. And I think that's a solid uh, definition of paralysis from our uh, experts, Google, Google, Siri, and Alexa. I think it's actually a really good uh, explanation of it. Because I think while, while one, in 50, one in 50 of us might experience a loss of muscle function, right, 50 out of 50 of us, or 100% of us, experience some kind of paralysis at some point in our lives. This is a very sh- it's a shared experience. Right, we might not have the loss of muscle function, but if you're like me, and I don't mean if you share the same interests, I don't mean if you act like or look like or smell like me, which, as my wife can testify, at sometimes it's better than others. Right? I smell good some days, maybe not the other, other days. Um, I mean that if you're human. That's what I'm trying to say. I mean that if you're a person, right? You have experienced a kind of paralysis at some point in your life. Can I get an amen? Feeling that? Some kind of paralysis that has stopped you from moving. Uh, a kind of paralysis that has stopped you from going where you needed to go, or being who you needed to be, or doing what you needed to do, or feeling what you needed to feel. Where you can't move. Where you feel like, where you feel like it's a, it's a, you can't even breathe. Ever been there? Could be the kids pulling on you, might be the work demands piling up, deadlines fast approaching, might be new responsibilities heaped upon you, might be the crazy busy schedules of 21st century America and SoCal in that life, that SoCal life, huh? Might be everything at once, too busy. Or might be nothing at all, not busy enough. And you find yourself in a kind of paralysis. And there are at what times feels like crowds of people, maybe they're literal crowds, and it makes you tense, makes you nervous, uncomfortable. Or there are circumstances, or there are outcomes, or there are possibilities, or there are problems in the way of you coming to the end of your paralysis and the very beginning of healing and freedom again. If any of that describes you this morning, I want to invite you to please look at Mark 2 with me, with eyes wide open and ears open. Um, Consider what happens when Jesus encounters this paralytic. Because there we find freedom and healing. We find forgiveness for paralysis of any kind. So do you want forgiveness? Do you need healing because you feel broken? Let's look at verse 1, where Jesus provokes a reaction. Chapter 2, verse 1, uh, right behind me, or if you brought your Bible today. And when he returned to Capernaum after some days, it was reported that he was at home. Okay, so when you heard verse 1 read out loud, did you think, uh, and, 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 and you heard it a second time, and now a third time. Uh, did you realize that this was Jesus' home? Look at it again. 
Jesus had a home in Capernaum. Last time we were in Mark, uh, Jesus was hiding out in desolate places because the crowds uh, were just too massive, wanted, wanted to be healed uh, too, too, too much, and, and kind of pushed them out into desolate places. He cured a leper. Everybody wanted to see him. Now we find him back at home, and now at home, crowds are forming, crowds are coming to see Jesus. It's like the celebrities uh, or any public figure. You could definitely trip over that. I'm going to stay on this side. Um, celebrities or, or any public figure, uh, word gets around fast, news travels fast when they're coming into town. Uh, kind of like how I'm, 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 I'm extremely stoked that Hugh Jackman's coming to San Diego, in, I think in July. Um, I can't get a ticket. I really wanted a ticket. They're really expensive. Uh, but with, with, it's amazing. I mean, he's, he's coming, right? Um, so I got jazzed about that. Uh, one, of my, one of my family members uh, recently took a selfie with uh, Kim Kardashian, right? And you can bet that news about that circulated pretty quickly. Um, so it was with Jesus. He, reacted, he, he, he reached uh, celebrity status in the region of Galilee. And, and it was in his house that, that it was his house that got a big gaping hole in it. So I want to read about that in verse 2. And many were gathered together, so there was no more room, not even at the door. And he was preaching the word to them, verse 3. And they came, bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men, verse 4. And when they could not get near him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. And when they had made an opening, they let down the bed on which the paralytic lay. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. So a bunch of people gather in this home. Uh, probably about 50 people smashed together, crammed together in a limited space, 18 feet, right? Kind of like you're in a mosh pit at the concert. At least that's how I like the concert, right? Anybody else like the concert that way? I got some head nods. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to be out in the stands. I want to be in the mosh pit. Like, that's where stuff's happening. That's, that's, that's what's fun. That's what's up. Um, and so uh, a guy who's, who's paralyzed, he's the one out of 50. He's heard about Jesus. He's heard Jesus can heal people. He asks his four friends, or possibly maybe he paid four strangers, people he never knew, maybe spent all of his life's money, somehow has these four people carry him in um, what would look like a stretcher. Uh, It would have been uh, much more like a stretcher, not a chair for kings or anything like that. And since he can't walk or move, they, they, they move him. Would have been an, uh, an outdoor uh, staircase in this house uh, that, that actually would have uh, gone on the outside of the house and brought them uh, to the top, where from the top you could actually, um, the materials for this roof were diggable. You could dig through the top of that roof, and you could get in through the top of the roof into that house. And so they, 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 they um, because the roof's made of mud and, and, and basically sticks wood. Um, so would have made a huge mess, but easy peasy to get down. So they lower him down. Some strong desire to see Jesus, right? They're really excited to see Jesus. They want, they want this, this man to be healed. So everybody applaud the man who had faith. Let's applaud the man who had faith, okay? All right, that's good. What's more remarkable is what Jesus does, given that his house just got a big hole in it, right? (laughs) 
big gaping hole in his house. Um, so a group of four guys with a guy on a stretcher falls through my roof. Do I respond by saying, no big deal, man, I forgive you? Right? No. More likely, I'm probably going to be like, man, you just came through my roof. Do you have Geico? <laughs> right? Probably not. Right? I probably wouldn't respond the same way that Jesus did. But Jesus forgives him. Cost is covered. Don't worry about it. Son, your sin, your sins are forgiven. But then saying these words, son, your sins are forgiven, in that context, with the kind of people who are around him, in that moment, words that he said provokes a kind of reaction, doesn't it? And it's not positive, it's negative. This is, uh, this is the first negative response that we get in the Gospel of Mark so far to Jesus' ministry. And it's where we learn the cold, hard truth that God's blessing... I learned this from a comedian a long time ago, but I, I want to say it. You know how Christians love to say, God bless you? Right? When you sneeze? It's not bless you, it's God bless you. God bless you, right? We have to, we have to say that. Um, got to sanctify the secular word. The cold, hard truth about God's blessing on your life doesn't mean people will always say yes. The cold, hard truth is that God's blessing on your life doesn't mean God will always say yes or give approval to you. Sometimes people will react wrongly, even if you're in the right. If that's how people re reacted to Jesus, who lived a perfect life, Shouldn't we expect that to be true of our experience in an imperfect life? See, there were certain religious leaders around who were watching and listening. And to them, when Jesus says, Son, your sins are forgiven, those words mean something completely different. So to the man, to hear, Son, your, your sins are forgiven, the paralytic who just came through the roof, he's going, That is awesome. I don't have to pay for this roof, right? To the four friends who, who helped this man lower this man down into that, you know, through that roof. They're going, this is awesome. I don't have to pay for that roof again. This is great, right? But to another group, they're called the scribes. They're legal scholars. These words mean something else. What did they mean? I'm going to tell you very bluntly and very straightforwardly. Jesus just took a big fat poop on the religiosity of the Pharisees. Gonna pause for a second. Let that marinate. Does the way I just put that offend you at all? It would have offended the religious people standing in front of Jesus because Jesus relieved himself or went potty on the entire religious establishment of that time. The way the experts approached relationship with God was by one of two ways, either by going to a, to a priest directly or by going to a temple, right? Two different ways, going, going to a priest, going to a temple. There was a certain way to do it. Jesus, you're doing it wrong. You're not doing it right. Now, Jesus just bypasses both of those, the priest and the temple, in one fell swoop. No priest, no temple, not even acknowledging them. 
no top of that morning to you, no tip of the hat. He just directly says, with all authority of the priesthood, all authority of the temple, in himself, Jesus says, son, your sins are forgiven. Now that's a steaming pile of anti-religious establishment right there in front of them that Jesus just dropped. And here's why I'm saying that. Why else would they respond negatively with criticism when Jesus just told this man a pretty nice thing? Especially after Jesus just forgave him for dropping through the ceiling. If anything, Jesus should be celebrated. He should be commended. Instead, in their hearts, some of the scribes are questioning, right? Inwardly, inside, they're going, verse 7, why does this man speak like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And so their knee-jerk reaction, right? Their, their reaction to what's happening in front of them, to how Jesus is doing it, to how Jesus is doing it wrong, to how Jesus is doing it in a way that displaces and undermines their status, their arrogance, and their authority as scribes, is why they react with charging Jesus of blasphemy already. Verse 7. Why does this man speak like that? He's blaspheming. That's a high charge in this time period. It means Jesus should be put to death for claiming to be God or, or claiming to be one of God's agents. So how could he do that? How could he say that? He doesn't work at the temple. He isn't a priest. Because when you offend a religious person, when you offend a religious person, the first move that person will make is to attack the one who isn't following the rules. And by rules, I mean their rules. I don't like what you're saying, Jesus. How you're saying it or who you are, the religious will say. So you must be wrong. And here's my labeling or here's my category for you to prove that you're in the wrong and I'm in the right. And I want to point this out because this is a kind of self-justification that we can all fall into. That believes this lie that believes this lie that God loves me because I'm right. The lie is, God loves me because I am right. Because I'm doing it right. If I follow the rules, if I obey God, then God will love me. And let me tell you, that is not the gospel. So if somebody says that is gospel, please run away from that. That is not gospel. That's legalism. It's a surefire way to live a miserable life because inside you are paralyzed. And if that at all describes where you are right now, you're not physically paralyzed, but you are crippled by fear. You are afraid. It's a fear of what others think of you. It's a fear of, of wanting to gain others' approval. It's a fear of wanting to please everyone else around you. And so the gospel for you is that God loves you, not because you did it right, but because Jesus did it right for you. That is gospel. So you don't have to please anybody or be afraid of everybody around you. Because if you come to Jesus, God approves you already if you believe 
Not if you do, not if you do more, not if you tack on something else or try a different method or another self-help book or whatever it is that, 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 that we're trying to figure out and trying to fix. But if you believe, like the weak faith of this man who came on a stretcher carried by four people and was lowered into this house of Jesus. Not if you do, but if you believe, if you trust in Jesus, God loves you because Jesus did it right for you. So I hope it's very clear to everyone here that Jesus is an affront to all forms of religion. He, Jesus, in his person and work is categorically different than anything else you've ever heard of. That Jesus is categorically different and categorically better than what you would ever expect. Let's look at what happens next. Uh, Because even though Jesus provokes this reaction, which is a strong reaction, it's only the beginning, too, in the Gospel of Mark. Jesus always provides renewal. So that's the second thing I want to point out. Jesus provides renewal. Verse 8. And immediately Jesus, perceiving in his spirit that they thus questioned within themselves, said to them, Why do you question these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say to the paralytic? Your sins are forgiven, or to say, rise, take up your bed, and walk. Now, everyone hearing that, uh, what's easier? Sins are forgiven. forgiven. Thank you. Thanks, Andy. Anybody else want to get behind Andy on that one? Which is easier to say? Sins are forgiven? That one's easier? Whoa. Okay. I think forgiven's easier. Uh, I think forgiven's a lot easier because there's no visible proof of that one, right? You can't witness that um, because it's, it's just words. It sounds like empty words. How can anybody know that those words are true? Any reasonable person would ask that. I know I would. I'm pretty sure everyone here would probably ask that if this is happening. Where's the proof? Show me the money. Show me the money, Jesus. Let's see the data. And when you're doubting... Whether or not Jesus can pull you out of, in your own life, if, when you're doubting, whether Jesus can pull you out of the paralysis that you're dealing with right now, if he can lift you out of that, I want to encourage you to come back to these verses and meditate on these verses again. Find renewal right here in Mark chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. Because Jesus does that. He provides renewal. Jesus knows that the body was made to move. You know how he, how he knows that? He made it. He knows that a paralytic, by definition, can't move what should move. He knows that, like the paralytic, today, you and I might be facing paralyzing people and circumstances and emotions and obstacles and situations and moments and feelings and even seasons. And he sees your paralysis and he's able to do something about it. Let's read verse 10. But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, verse 11, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed, and go home. So sin has a crippling effect on us, doesn't it? It cripples by promising a better tomorrow, but never delivers us from the present. 
It can cripple us by placing us back into the past and, and, and trapping us there. Sin can rob us of our past, of our present, and our future. But so does fear and anxiety that consumes us from within. And it might not be because of a sin that we committed. It might be like the paralytic, just something that happened to us or we were born with. It might be just because we're part of a broken world that has been crippled by the curse of sin. And I'll share that uh, I think this one's harder to deal with because there's nothing to confess. We're just broken. Yet we still find ourselves in need of help and the only kind of help that, that four people with a man on a stretcher taking us all the way to Jesus can give. Because Jesus is the kind of servant king who's capable of renewing, of renewing not just our minds, right? not just our, our bodies, but also our souls. And not just our souls, but also our bodies. So that you may know that Jesus can not only forgive a person of all sins, so that you may know that Jesus can not only make a broken man work, so that you may know that Jesus can do what you cannot do. Let's read verse 12. And he rose and immediately picked up his bed and went out before them all, so that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, We never saw anything like this. In other words, you ain't seen nothing like this. Or you ain't seen nothing yet. That, the gospel of Jesus. Forget the priesthood. Forget the temple. Something far, far, far better is here. In the person and work of Jesus. Don't believe me? Let's uh, look. I want to prove it to you. Let's look by turning back to Isaiah chapter 43, verse 25, which we heard at the beginning of the service. Um, Isaiah is a book in the Old Testament. Uh, Isaiah was a prophet, uh, and he, he told people about Jesus way before Jesus ever came. Verse 43, I'm sorry, chapter 43, verse 25. I turn there too. says this. Maybe close your eyes and listen to this. I, I am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake, and I will not remember your sins. I will not remember your sins. Open your eyes. (laughs) If you're still closing them, because I see some closed eyes. You might be paralyzed today by doubt. No, God, you can't possibly love me. You might be paralyzed. You might be trapped by fear. No, Pastor Nick, you don't know me. You don't know what I've done. You don't know where I've been or who I've been with. You don't know what I've done or, or what's happened to me in my life. You don't know me. You don't know I am no good. But I'm not saying this. If you trust in Jesus, God is saying it to you, about you, for you. 
the legal scholars, the scribes, uh, they got mad at Jesus for pronouncing forgiveness without a temple and without a priest. But what they did not know is that Jesus never pronounced forgiveness without a cross. The reason he could say that, the basis he could say this, is because he was going to do that. He was going to provide forgiveness. He was going to go die on a cross and be raised from the dead on the third day for you, for me. The paralyzed man was lowered down into the house, just as Jesus was lowered down from heaven, to become human for us. As the paralyzed man was raised up from the ground to get up and walk, so too was Jesus raised on the third day from death to life for us when he rose from the dead. And Jesus did all of that, not so that God would love you, but because God loves you. Because God loves you. Um, I want to ask everyone to turn from Isaiah 43, verse 25, to flip back a page. Look at Isaiah 43, verse, verse 1. Um, earlier this week, I was in absolute tears um, in my effort to give everyone who's here today the gospel. I was in tears. Why was I in tears? I was in tears because in my efforts to give the gospel to other people around me, I had forgotten. I had become so paralyzed for various reasons, that I forgot that this same gospel that I'm giving to other people is also true for me. And God reminded me of that as I'm you know, looking at Isaiah and, and, and thinking of Isaiah and Mark and all of this stuff and going, whoa, whoa, cool, oh. But I forgot it was for me too. And so Isaiah 43, this is what I forgot. This is a family verse that my grandmother, who's dead, that she handed down to my mother, that she had received from her family, and that she handed down, and that I had. And I actually have a note that says, Love you, son, Isaiah 43, verse 1, that my mom wrote, I think, back when I was in college or something. And it's here. But it says this, Isaiah 43, 1. But now thus says the Lord, he who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. He says, I have called you by name. You are mine. Mm. What's paralyzing you today? What has a hold on you so tight that you can't get up again? To your paralysis, Jesus says these words. He says, I will break the chains, the powers that hold you down. Jesus says, I will move the body that prevents you from experiencing joy and peace and love. Jesus says, I'll do that not by breaking you, as other kings will do, as other rulers will do, but by breaking myself for you. By breaking my own body, slowing down my own movement until shackles are, pl are placed upon my own hands. And I'm nailed 
to a cross for the forgiveness of your sins. All this I've done for you. That's the power of Jesus for your paralysis, for my paralysis. So what are you still waiting for? Who or what stands in the way? Come to Jesus or like the paralytic, ask somebody else to take you to Jesus. Ask somebody else, ask four guys or four girls, whoever those four people were, who carried this paralytic up to the top of the roof, dug through the roof to lower this man to come and see Jesus. Because Jesus has forgiveness and healing and perfect love, which casts out all fear waiting for you in him. Let's pray. Father, there are so many things, there are so many possibilities of a kind of paralysis that can keep us not just down, but out. Father, we thank you for the hope, for the gospel of Jesus. That is the only hope, the only way, the only path of true deliverance, of true healing, of true freedom, of true power, of true possibility. We thank you for your gospel. We thank you that it is the anti-religion that knocks down the religious establishment of do better and try harder and thinking that you love us because we've done it right or we are right and frees us to see that you love us, you care for us, you see us, you recognize us, you hear us because of Jesus. Father, I pray for anyone who's doubting and who's really struggling with so much fear and who feels trapped and who feels paralyzed, that you would grant healing this morning. That you would show your love in your son Jesus to this person and remind them that they are valuable in your sight, that they are worth it in your sight, that you sent your son for them. Amen.